Bonjour and welcome to the Gresham's Student Leadership Podcast. Today I'm joined by Dr Ben Cookill, formerly a doctor in the army and is now a GP at Bakenham Medical Practice. Today we'll be talking about leadership and how very important in this very weird time. So firstly, um, please tell me about yourself. Um, Tell me about myself. Well, I'm a GP um, in a rural uh, market town practice um, and have been for the last um, five years, I suppose. And before that, I was a doctor in the British Army uh, for, uh, well, a lot of my training and then uh, independent practice for about three years. Um, And uh, that followed all my junior doctor training, um, mainly in the east of England. Um, having graduated from Cambridge uh, with my medical degree. Um, and I live uh, in Norfolk, but not far from the practice that I work at with uh, my wife and two youngish children. Um, and the uh, uh, requisite two Labradors and you know, all the rest. Um, so life is busy. Okay, you said you were a doctor and you did that as a profession. Sorry. What made you choose being a doctor as a profession? Well, that's an interesting question because you tend to fall into these things. So I think mainly is at school, I was about, uh, I don't know, 15, 14. Um, So not too different in age from you. And I um, realized that I was good at science, um, but that I liked people and talking to people. um, And I didn't want to spend my life in a laboratory. Um, and then you start scratching your head and thinking, well, yeah. how do I put, put those things together? Um, and medicine seemed an obvious answer. My mother was a nurse. So um, although she tried to put me off medicine. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I suppose it's the combination of being good at science and liking people. OK, um, what made you choose um, to be in the army? That was because I don't like doing the same thing that everyone else does. Um, so quite like trying different things and uh, being different. And I'm one of three brothers and spent 10 years at all boys boarding schools. Um, and the army sort of seemed like a natural home for me. And it's a, a chance to do medicine in a more challenging environment, um, a bit different from all my peers at the time. Um, so really it was for the challenge, I suppose. Oh, great. Um, so thanks for the context uh, on what you do. Um, so can we move on to the questions about uh, leadership? Yeah. So um, did being in being a leader in the army differ from lead, leading in general practice? Uh, it does differ. There are lots of similarities. Um, leading is about um, really trying to serve other people rather than yourself. So the army takes that very seriously indeed. Um, it's all about uh, how you can help everyone around you achieve their their sort of uh, potential, um, and by leading from, ex- from from good example as well. General practice is is very similar in the sort of the uh, the theory of uh, leadership, but it's a different bunch of people. Um, everyone in the army is pretty driven, especially those that have uh, really chosen to be there. Um, and uh, not everyone is that driven 
or as driven in civilian life um, and not everyone is selfless is the wrong word but um, trained in the principles of teamwork and uh, how the team's effort is more important than the individual effort or the team outcome is more important than the individual effort so uh, the principles are the same but uh, I think the degree to which it's taken is just slightly different. Hey, um, did this time in the army influence, you know, how you led in general practice? Uh, definitely, I think, yeah, uh, definitely did. Um, and I think this goes along the lines of service, really, um, rather than anything else. So uh, the army, as I said earlier, is all about um, uh, contributing to a team and giving of yourself and time and effort and everything else. Um, and you can bring that into the NHS. And I hope that's what I've done. Um, and I've ended up sort of leading in inverted commas, my team. I mean, I'm one of six partners, um, but I'm the lead partner. Um, and I think that's happened because of the time I spent in the army um, and those leadership skills that I have sort of transferred across. Hey, how would you describe your leadership style? Uh, well, that's always a difficult one to answer as the leader of a group of people. Um, I hope it's leading by example, really, by uh, digging in and mucking in and being prepared to do um, whatever you ask other people to do um, and volunteering to do it first. So I think that's probably my leadership style is trying to lead by example, mostly. Yeah, I guess that comes from the army, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah. could you describe a situation where you were an effective leader in the army? Ooh, uh, yes. Um, that would be mostly around when things go wrong. Oh, okay. Um, when things go well, it's, it's, um, it's all fairly straight sailing or plain sailing. Uh, we had a very bad incident on a training exercise up in Yorkshire uh, in about 2014. Um, where we had a, a, an armoured vehicle roll over and had serious casualties that I was the doctor for the regiment. I was there within a couple of minutes. Um, and leadership there, again, is leading by example. It's, you know, it, there is a huge amount of, well, not a huge amount because these guys are very well trained, but that tendency to... Uh, just not stop and think before taking action to, to be a bit panicked, um, especially in a sort of civilian setting when they're trained and expecting casualties in operations and things or, or on operations, it may be different, but you know, on a training exercise, you don't expect casualties to happen. And so just staying calm, uh, being a center of uh, attention for people to uh, take their cues from, I'm not gonna say that saved lives, but I think it certainly helped uh, the overall outcome and the way that people viewed it afterwards to know that they'd done their best for their colleagues um, and that nothing more could have been done. I think if you had you know, no leadership in that position or no, no leader in that position, because it could have been any leader, to be honest, really, but um, afterwards people could have been wondering whether they'd done the best for their people um, and you don't really want that. Okay, thank you. Um, are there any challenges from being a leader in general practices? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, hundreds, thousands. Um, mm. Everything from um, uh, 
the uh, stuff that you don't see happening, uh, general public don't see happening. So uh, the contracts that you're you're having to sort out with um, the commissioners and NHS England through to dealing out dealing with staff problems. Um, mm. Uh, um, dealing with problems with your premises because GPs own or rent their premises. Um, the patients are the easiest bit, actually. Um, oh. You know, uh, the, the the medicine is is easy. Uh, generally, it's um, dealing with the staff and uh, and all the things that come with managing people that is difficult. Okay. Um, what do you think overall are the most important leadership skills to have? One of the most important leadership skills to have. Well, if you go back to sort of the army stuff, um, mm -hmm. uh, they would talk about um, uh, respect for others, um, integrity, loyalty, discipline, courage. These are sort of, they call these the pillars of a leader. Or, uh, and, um, you know, all those things are clearly important. I think the most important is probably respect for others. Um, and integrity you know if you have your personal integrity and you respect those people around you then then they will follow you um i think so uh, i would say in my role integrity and and respect for others okay um do you think motivation is important as a skill and what can you do to help motivate the team uh motivation is really important obviously motivation for change is about showing people that uh, it will benefit them and how do you how do you instill that in people it's training them and equipping them to succeed so if you uh, if you train someone and equip them to succeed they will be motivated much more than if you give them no training and and, and no equipment to do the job um so i would say in my sphere of sort of you know work i would say training and equipment to succeed and then they will be motivated but um without motivation you know people can come in and work nine to five and nothing will change for the better um and uh you won't really get the best out of your team okay that's very interesting um who would you, who do you admire as a leader and why <laughs> who, who do i admire as a leader and why I would probably say, I'd probably, I, I'd probably say perhaps the captain of a sporting team, uh, someone who puts their body on the line with their with their team, um, uh, and again leads by example. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so that's probably a good example. And I'm not wouldn't name any particular particular one, but you know, captains of right. a very successful team. Someone like Martin Johnson, an England rugby team that won the World Cup. Mm -hmm in Australia, you know. Uh, so I think, um, I mean, I, I don't think I would name anyone other than, than yes, the captain of a sporting team. Okay, um, I've been hearing in the news that's about the COVID-19 vaccine um, and how GPs are gonna be involved in administering it. Uh, in terms of leadership, what challenges do you think that will pose? Well, so we, our practice, as you, you might well know, has been given the nod to be one of the first practices in the country, um, certainly one of two practices in Norfolk, um, to uh, give the vaccine first. Um, I like to think we've been given that because we have uh, shown, I suppose, good leadership within our community. We have 
been a practice that has been on the forefront of, of fighting this pandemic, and that's been noted by uh, the commissioners more, more centrally. Um, the challenges are going to be around getting staff to do extra work, really. Um, you know, these are not military staff, they're civilian staff. If it was military, I could just order them to come to work and give the vaccine. But these guys need to give extra time and they need to want to give that time. Um, yes, they'll be paid for it, but actually, you know, they have their own lives and we can't assume that they will just put their own lives on hold um, for everybody else, although that's what we'd want. And I suppose the way we must lead that is to put our own lives on hold uh, and again, lead by example. Um, so that they see us doing it. Um, and so if the doctors are prepared to be there um, longer hours at weekends and that kind of thing, then the other staff will, will feel motivated and equipped to do, to do the same thing. Um, that is the biggest challenge. The workforce is the biggest challenge. The mm -hmm. nitty gritty of vaccine supply, consumables, syringes, needles, swabs, all that kind of thing, that, that's just paperwork. That's not too difficult. Um, but it's getting the, 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 the bodies to do the vaccinating. That's the difficult bit. Okay. Um, well, that completes my um, planned questions. And uh, is there anything else you'd like to add um, about leadership and what you do? Uh, no, I think leadership is a, uh, a very personal thing. I think lots of people are leaders when they don't realize they're leaders, um, uh, you know, in lots of different ways throughout their lives. You know, anything from, from being at school age to being an adult. And there are times when you're the leader of a group of people and it sort of just either gets thrust upon you or it just sort of falls on your shoulders. And recognizing when you're in that position, I think, is important. And if you can recognize it and bring some of these traits of leadership that we've been talking about to your role, you'll be more successful. So I think recognizing when leadership opportunities emerge and then grabbing them, but grabbing them, you know, subtly, humbly um, and in a uh, positive way is really important. Well, thank you so much for taking part in this interview. Um, pleasure, George. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Ben Coghill, for taking part in this interview and giving your insight to this topic. I am now joined with Mr. Richardson, and you will ask me a few questions. Thanks very much, George. That was great. Really nice to hear from the doctor about his experiences. I just wanted to ask you yourself um, what you took from the interview. Well, I think what I take away from this interview is how just the different styles of leadership in the past can have a profound effect on how you lead others later in life. Um, so even if that the jobs are different and as you're able to order people in the army and that in medical practices you have to convince them more, you can still see a clear definition in the like difference of leadership styles and how they um, can like combine over. Yeah, it was really interesting. I think this, I mean, when asked about leadership that he referenced his time in the army so clearly, it was really, like you say, it's clearly had a quite an influence on how what he does um, in his day to day right now in the medical practice. Um, is this something is the is this something that you're thinking of yourself, George? Are you thinking of the medical profession? Well, I've always considered doing medicine as it does run through my family somewhat. And talking to Dr. Cockhill and hearing about his experience in both the army and being a GP is maybe maybe consider a similar career path. You know, these jobs are similar, however, they do require just 
different skills and um, they can appeal to different people and ages. As you know, when you're young, um, you kind of want to go out and see the world. And, however, they do combine quite well. And so as you get older, you do have a job with the same skills that is a bit more relaxing and like a bit more comfortable. Um, but it is nice. It's like nice to keep this sort of thing and all these options as open as possible. Yeah, it's very true. And I think if you if you were a qualified doctor, you could, of course, you know, you could work almost anywhere in lots of different uh, capacities. You have lots of nice options, but you got plenty of time to think about these things, George. I just wanted to follow up on the on the vaccination center. So they was mentioning that Fakenham had was one of the first in the country, really. I just wondered if you'd heard just how it was going. It was quite it was a little while ago that you spoke to uh, Dr. Coghill. I wondered if you'd heard of any updates. Uh, well, the vaccination process is going well. Um, I think the practices, both the the two vaccines, the Pfizer and the AstraZeneca vaccine, um, well, they're given the injection to I think all high risk and the over seventies. Um, that's who they're continuing to vaccinate. Uh, there's been lots of volunteers helping, and yeah, all patients are very pleased. Yeah, it must have been a long time for a lot of people not seeing, uh, not being able to get out at all. So it's. Uh... Light at the end of the tunnel, as they say. But uh, that's great. Listen, thank you very much, George. Thank you for your time and for your efforts. Thank you very much, Mr. Richardson. And so this has been the Gresham's Leadership Podcast. Thank you very much for listening.